Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. We're going to be talking about the ABC upfronts and the news about what's happening with Inhumans and Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. this fall. We've got some things from Kevin Feige, some stuff from Defenders, and we're going to go over Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as always. Our big conversation for the night is comic book storylines that we think should make it into Phase 4. We've got a pack show for you. This is the MCU Exchange Podcast, and I am Iron Man. Welcome back to another episode of MCU Exchange Podcast. I'm Caleb. We've got Rhiannon and Adam with us, as always. And this week we're going to be talking a lot about television uh, and the upfronts from ABC. But before we get into all that, uh, I thought I would make a little announcement that I think we can make. Uh, Rhiannon and I have just found out this week that we are going to be at New York Comic Con. So we're hoping to do some, I don't know, some kind of podcasting something. Maybe we'll Skype in Adam to make him feel really jealous. Nice. And uh, hopefully we'll do some other cool features uh, from the floor or something. I don't know. We're, we're still figuring out what it looks like. but It's a long ways away. Yeah, it's it's October. So if you're going to be there at the Comic-Con and you're not a total creep, uh, let us know on Twitter. <laughs> and maybe we'll figure out if you're a creep or not. And then we'll say hi to you at the Comic-Con. So Rhiannon's like, we did not agree to this ahead of time. What are you doing? That's not how you vet creeps, Caleb. Oh, it's not... <laughs> If you tell them ahead of time, they don't, like, self-identify? Is that what you're telling me? No. No. Okay. Learned that one the hard way. Sorry. No. Just kidding. To all the people I've met. All right. Let's go into our ABC Upfronts news. So, uh, for those that don't know, the networks every May go through this process where they share with advertisers their upcoming schedule and what shows are coming out and trailers for new shows and all that kind of stuff. And uh, ABC presented this week uh, with all the other major uh, broadcast networks. And we got a little bit of news on Inhumans and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The first thing that we found out is that both shows are going to be airing on Friday nights at 9 p.m. Some people have reacted pretty poorly to this. I'll be honest, I was one of them at first as well. Uh, Friday night is not known as a great night Uh, It's kind of known as a dumping yard in some people's minds of where TV shows go when they kind of get old and get bad ratings. You put them on Friday nights because you got to put something there, but you don't want to really put good shows up against people going out to dinner and movies and stuff like that. And so that didn't seem like great news. We also got news that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will air after Inhumans finishes their eight episode run. Uh, We don't know exactly what that looks like. Um, hypothetically, that could mean that the week after Inhumans is over, we'll get like a little mini pod before Christmas, and then we'll jump back in in the uh, late winter. Uh, it could also mean that they'll just wait until January sometime, and we'll get all 22 episodes straight. That would require for them to double up and give us, you know, two episodes a night, two or three times. But we just, we don't know yet, so. Uh, Rhiannon, Adam... Uh, how are you guys feeling about this? Does this uh, bother you at all that uh, we've moved to Friday nights? I feel like you felt very strongly about this at first, Adam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been telling people if I had a life outside comics, I'd be totally pissed right now. Um, but fortunately enough, uh, I'll be stuck watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Friday nights anyways. I, I don't know. It just seems... 
Have they, I mean, has any good show ever stayed alive on Friday nights, I guess? I mean, I'm trying to think of shows I've watched in the past. Uh, I mean, you got Sunday nights that shows are good, you know, on the weekend. Um, But Friday or Saturday nights, I mean, you know, especially in humans, like you're starting in humans off on Friday night. I mean, it just kind of feels like how do they want it to succeed? You know, I can see Shield because it's entering its fifth season, and it's at the point where they, you know, want to get the the five seasons and a hundred episodes in, whatever. But for a show to start on Friday nights, that's that's going to be pretty rough. Yeah, the one exception I keep seeing on like Twitter and our comment section is X Files blew up on Friday nights. But I would remind all the people making those comments. That also happened 20 years ago or something like that. You know, like that it's been, that's reaching back a bit, you know, if we're going to go to X-Files. Well, yeah. I mean, that goes to my first thought. Cause my first thought was as a kid, there was TGIF like where full house and, um, Urkel, um, family matters. You know, like they were all on on Friday nights. Like, I don't know when I was a kid and I had no life. Friday nights, I would sit in front of the TV and watch some of that, like, straight through. And really, it's not like a ton of people are watching S.H.I.E.L.D. live now anyways. So maybe they've, you know, just given up on a large live viewership. Maybe they've done their research and they know that their comic book fans have no lives. I don't know. I would be a little insulted. Except... I tend to really want TV on Friday nights. I'm excited because I'm more likely to watch it live at 9 o'clock on Friday than I ever am at 10 o'clock on Thursday. Yeah. So that's exciting. Maybe they've decided that Inhumans is going to be the type of thing that people will stay in to watch. Maybe it's going to be an event type thing that carries a Friday night? I don't Uh, know. Maybe. I mean, my take on this is it's not as bad as I first feared. Because I do think that uh, they're going to pair it with Once Upon a Time to make kind of a fantasy sci-fi block on Friday nights. And, you know, I wrote about this on the website. A lot of, well, not a lot of people. The same people that don't like everything didn't like what I said. But basically, like, it makes some sense to put that into a block. And if you do look, historically, Friday night is an okay spot for you know, genre shows, particularly sci-fi, comic, etc. And so, I mean, if you look at people who have done all right on Friday nights, X-Files did do okay. And um, once Fringe had kind of gotten down to smaller viewership, the last two or three seasons of Fringe were on Friday nights. And NBC ran uh, Grimm. It's not a show I ever watched, but it ran for like four years on Friday night. And it seemed like all of those shows were kind of similar genre to what we're going to get out of Inhumans and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they all worked okay in that time frame. Uh, That's fine. I would just say let's acknowledge what ABC's doing then. And what they're doing is that they are already looking at Inhumans as a niche genre show that might fit well on Friday nights with sci-fi audiences. They are not looking at this as a major blockbuster show that's going to reach across demographics. If they thought that this thing was going to be gigantic or huge, they would have put it on 
Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. The way they did with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. back when they thought Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to ride, you know, the, the Avengers wave to being a, you know, blockbuster show. And that's not, that doesn't mean it's going to be a bad show. And it's not mean, it doesn't mean we're not going to love it. Um, I think there's other reasons why I think I might not love it, but you know, like it doesn't mean that it'll be bad. It just means that ABC does not believe in this as a across the board, multi-generational, you know, men, women, kids, old people, like they do not see this as a show with broad appeal. They see it as a show that has a niche market similar to agents of shield and once upon a time. And that's just a little disappointing. When we heard that IMAX was going to do this stuff, I don't know. It, it, it was, there was hope that it would be bigger than that, I think. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing or a pessimistic thing for people to say, oh, I'd hope that this show would be a bigger thing culturally, but I'll still enjoy it personally. Like, I think that's a natural enough reaction to have. So There was also a little bit of footage that was shown for Inhumans, and we have not seen it. It has not made it to the internet. Uh, if you dig around some of the darker corners of Twitter and Reddit, apparently there are some images from that uh, first kind of trailer. I'm not going to talk much about it because for me it's way too grainy to have a positive or negative assessment of what I'm seeing. I'll kind of wait until they give me something uh, quality. And I kind of want to respect the studios too. I think there's a reason they don't put this stuff out. Are you guys disappointed that we haven't seen whatever they saw at the upfront? Or are you glad that maybe they're keeping it back if the if the visual effects aren't quite ready yet? I'm not upset to not see anything. I kind of, when the teaser for Guardians was only the audio, I didn't expect to have a whole lot more this soon. For Inhumans? So, yeah. Oh, okay. The teaser was on Guardians. I get what you're saying. Sorry. Sorry. That's all right. For, for listeners, I've had like a crazy cold this week, so... <laughs> I'm putting thoughts together, but uh, yeah, the teaser that we had before Guardians, um, I I didn't expect something else so soon. I would have been excited to see it, but uh, I'm I'm fine to wait another couple of weeks, maybe. I mean, first look at Triton, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I expected through. Uh... I don't know. You know, I really don't do. I'm trying to think if I have expectations for the show. You know, I mean, it's I know of the Inhumans, you know, um, but, you know, I'm not the Inhumans expert like you. So, I mean, it's not good nor bad. It's kind of what I expected. You know, you have the whole, you have the cliche uh, whole dining room table that's a mile long or whatever. Um, the whole royal thing and the the second picture is kind of that must be maximus between the king and queen there so i wonder if he's exiling them or exiling them um yeah yeah between the three pictures you know it is like a game of thrones type vibe and then the last picture's kind of giving me some, like, lost-type vibe. It looks like they're in the jungle or something, so that must be in Hawaii, since Adelan probably doesn't have a jungle. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Um, I, I'm really excited for a trailer. I mean, like I've said before, if our listeners don't know, I love this property. And so, anything I've said negatively, 
I hope that I'm totally wrong. And I will be the happiest man on earth if you comment in and tweet at me and heckle me for how wrong I got this. Because that means I just enjoyed a great show of Inhumans, you know? But um, we'll just we'll just still have to see. It's uh, It's been kind of a weird ride, the way it was announced and then the rollout and everything. So, All right, moving on to somewhat happier news. Uh, Kevin Feige talked with with uh, talked to a company that does some uh, like visual effects work for them, and they did a little YouTube video where he talked about his history in the industry and a few other questions about the MCU. And it was interesting because he talked about bringing X Men and or Fantastic Four into the MCU. And there's not we don't want to make too much of this. Uh, he didn't say yeah it's happening tomorrow, but um, he does say of course we'd like to do that. My goal is to replicate the experience that comic book fans have reading the books up on the screen, and we've been able to accomplish that beyond my wildest dreams over the last 10 years by including Spidey in Civil War and the upcoming Infinity War. That was yet another dream I didn't even dare to talk about publicly because I thought the odds were slim. So no plans beyond that for the few remaining characters that aren't already in the MCU, but never say never. Who knows what can happen in the future? Uh, As early as last fall, he used the word impossibility to describe X-Men and Fantastic Four coming in. Um, there's a big difference between that's impossible and, you know, never say never. Do you think that uh, there's anything to this? Or, I mean, at the very least, he's changing his rhetoric a little bit, right? Definitely. The biggest thing, I think, I mean, we're getting Fantastic Four before X-Men. Um, you know, I don't think we get the X-Men without Fantastic Four because... I mean, they give up the rights to X-Men or whatever, you know. They they get rid of uh, Deadpool and, and Cable, and the, the those are the two main characters that are pretty much basing their whole entire universe off at this point, you know, in the future. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would guess they're probably ending up going to uh, probably do a Deadpool 3 eventually, you know. But I would say, I mean... I, I what are the contract rules they have to make a movie every what eight years or something like that? Yeah, I think I heard recently that it, like 2022 is the cutoff. Like either that has to be released by then or it has to be in production by 2022. So you know, I mean, once once we get passed through the slate that we're on now, I mean, theoretically, that would be a good hopping on point for, you know, introducing a huge Thanos type villain like Galactus or, or something of the Kang, you know, of that nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think no matter which way you look at, I mean, we all want to see uh you play wolvie in the in the mcu you know but i think we'll, we would see fantastic four uh, a lot earlier than we would see any of the x-men characters yeah i've actually become convinced and this is really different from what i used to think but uh, i've actually become convinced that the x-men and the mcu might not be the best thing like after seeing logan if they can give us a movie as good as logan and, you know, frankly, Deadpool. I'm not a huge Deadpool fan, but I get why that was so popular. You know, if they can do movies like that, and that's what they're going to crank out over at Fox, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have a couple studios working on movies of properties I love. Um, so that's fine. The thing is, that they just they can't do a good Fantastic Four film. I, I said in my review, I felt like Guardians of the Galaxy, both Volume 1 and 2, in many ways are exactly what a Fantastic Four movie should be. 
as far as like a cosmic adventure that deals with the dynamics of family. You know, James Gunn has kind of proven that Marvel can do a Fantastic Four movie. Why not, you know, let it happen in the MCU? So anyway, again, no no confirmation by any means of these conspiracy theories we see online. It's obvious that Feige is not talking as harshly about that opportunity as he was even six months ago. And so who knows if that's the context of the interview or whatever, but it, it was interesting. Uh, all right, I want to pull up a few Defenders things now. Um, these are all things that were talked about at the recent Houston Comic-Con. Former podcast of the MCU Exchange, it's all connected, uh, had one of their guys, Russ, down there in Houston, and he went to a uh, panel, and he picked up some tidbits that he passed on to us that uh, Charles has been publishing throughout the week. And what, he has come, what we've got is a couple interesting things. First of all, we found out that the plot of Defenders will take place over just a couple days. Uh, and so it's not only a shortened eight episodes, but, you know, something like Daredevil Season 2 takes like six months to happen. Whereas this show is going to happen over 48, 72 hours, something like that. Uh, also, we found out Madame Gao is definitely returning, um, which makes me very happy. And also, Mike Coulter said that he hopes we'll see Luke Cage Season 2 early next year which is really interesting because adam you heard him say they're filming through march or something so i don't know how early it could be if they're still filming into march but anyway um any thoughts on any of that stuff rhiannon you you love our netflix stuff does any of that pique your interest well a friend of mine joked this week that i think mike coulter is just screwing with us like constantly um just I think he's just throwing stuff out there. Um, I don't see any way that Luke Cage comes out before Jessica Jones season two, because Jessica Jones has a couple months head start on filming, which means they'll have a head start on finishing filming, um, which means, I I mean, everything so far has come out in order of filming. Um, unless they are doing something completely new with the timeline or, you know, like you said, they're doing half seasons or they're doing mixing things in with each other. Um, I, I think Mike is just saying things like he'd like to see it early next year. Yeah. And I'd like to see like one season of every character next year and another team up. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I think Gal, everybody assumed she was coming back, but it's exciting to have that confirmed. I haven't had any time to process the idea of the Defenders happening over a few days. I mean, there's a lot of relationship building that has to happen in this show for it just to happen over a few days. And I know they've said that they're not going to come out of this buddy-buddy, you know, that they're not going to all suddenly be a perfect team. But, I mean, just trusting each other enough to do the hallway fight that we've seen in the trailer to me takes more than a day or two of knowing each other. I'll be excited to see how it goes. I know, I know Charles on the website is really excited about it being tight, that that really tight schedule or that really tight timeline means it won't just drag on onto storylines that we don't care about. Compared to the fair, I mean, look at Daredevil season one, season two, Jessica Jones, you know what, I guess, what are the timelines on the I guess I haven't paid that much close attention to notice is Daredevil over a month? Is it two months? You know, uh, I guess I really haven't. So season two, I think, is the easiest to note 
Because I don't know if you remember, it's like sweltering hot at the beginning. And then the last scene is like Karen's newspaper article at like Christmas time. So that's like obviously a six month span. So that's the one I remember. I don't remember the other ones too well. I just finished Daredevil season one. And at, at least it's a, it has to be at least a couple weeks. Um, if not a couple of months. Um, just because you see like daytime and nighttime over and over, you know, like past many times. And and season one, Daredevil season one goes from summer to winter as well. You know, like in the early days, they're all running around in shorts outside and stuff. And in the end, they're in the scarf and outside and the, all bundled up at the cemetery. So I've had in my head that each of the series was about six months. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly. I think that we've talked about this before. Netflix timeline is not as tight as we'd like it to be anyway. So it's probably better not to, to poke around that too much. So uh, I think that'll do it for our news. Let's move on to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do next week. Uh, we usually talk about Agent Shield of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for 10 or 15 minutes each week. And we're not going to have that now because the season finale was this week. Um, It was really twisty and turny and lots of things that we weren't expecting to happen happened. There's a lot to process. Uh, Let's start off just by talking about this episode and the conclusion of the Ada storyline and the framework storyline. And then we can talk about kind of the, the stinger and the, the setting up of next season in a minute. But, as far as the stuff related to season four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., what did you guys really like? What did you not like in this week's episode? I felt like the Ada storyline, like, it came to that, it came to this big climax. I feel like it moved very quickly to the end in this episode. You know, we very quickly, oh, here's Ghost Rider. Oh, he can kill her. Oh, she's dead. And I realized there were more twists in that. Um, I, I loved the twist that Phil had the writer inside of him. And I'm sure we'll find out more about that in the future. I, that, if there's a disappointment in this episode, that's it. That it just sort of, that felt, for a character who was so strong, I mean, Ada, Ophelia, Agnes, whoever, she was such a big part of the season. I don't know, I kind of expected something a bigger surprise on how she went in the end yeah i want to take just a minute to say that uh i think mallory jensen i think that's her name the actress who played those characters she needs to be getting a lot of jobs from here on out i mean because you know i mean we saw uh not to throw shade on agent ward but we saw brett dalton play several different characters over the time on the show, and he did an okay job differentiating them, but I have never seen someone who in one season, I mean, she was Ada, and then she was Agnes, and then she was kind of the Madam Hydra, and then there was like about 30 minutes of sort of reborn human for the first time, wide-eyed, you know, optimistic Ophelia, and then there was, you know, crazy jealous Ophelia, and she did all of those things very differently. I mean, her face looked different and her voice sounded different. I just felt like she was very impressive in the things that she did. And so I hope she gets a lot of uh, opportunities after this because I thought she was really fabulous throughout. Uh, you know, there was a real chance that they could have hired someone who, you know, Ada's supposed to be relatively attractive. They could have hired someone mostly for the look, but they actually got someone with some acting chops. And so I think she deserves all the credit in the world for that. 
Oh man, it was awesome. I mean, yeah. I think they knocked the uh, visual effects out of the park on this one. The uh, the uh, Ghost Rider Quake combo move to kick off the show was amazing. Then then Ghost Rider has his own. Now what do we call it a sling chain or, or what do we call it? You know now. <laughs> yeah. Straight out of the uh, straight out of Doctor Strange, I thought that was that was really cool. Um, and it's the perfect kind of connectedness. It is that we want, right? Like that was something that didn't confuse people that didn't see Doctor Strange, but those of us who did were like, "Oh, it's the same thing," you know? Like it was obviously the same effect. Exactly, and and that's I mean, I would rather have that than um, them say the incident or something, you know? Because you know you're like, "Oh, okay, that's." That's Doctor Strange, you know. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. Um, Mallory Jansen was good. I mean, throughout the whole season, she was absolutely amazing, you know. Even within the span of the past three episodes where she was Madame Hydra, then she was human, kind of sane, and then she was insane, human, you know. And she even made, she even physically looked different during those three things, those three different roles. I guess my only we call complaint. Well, I mean, they killed Ada really, really quick. Like, um, even though the best person possible killed him. Hashtag Colson Rider. And I, th- yeah, and I loved that twist. And I think it was a great way to bring Ghost Rider back. But it just, yeah. Now I feel like they were building a Ghost Rider Quake kind of relationship. It was like that moment where she's like, "I'm glad you're back." I mean. Are you into that, or could we just like let Daisy be single for half a minute, or what? What, what do you guys think of that that development? Well, it looks like she is single. I mean, he obviously it it didn't go anywhere. Um, I think it's an interesting. I mean, I think it's a good pair. Um, I don't think either of. Uh, it, yeah, I I like the idea of Daisy being single for a moment, and I'm so caught up on the idea. That I guess you guys put in my head of Daisy being the next head of Shield, if there even is a Shield anymore, and if it'll have a head, and we'll talk about where it's going later. But um, yeah, yeah, that combo move you're talking about. If we could just get a legit, like they tease Secret Warriors, and I probably have said this eight times on the podcast. If we could get a legit, like superhero team with Quake and Ghost Rider and Deathlock and Yo Yo, like it would be so good. Just to have the powers and have them together all the time. Maybe it makes it more special that it's more sparse, but um, I don't know. And it's a, I'm sure it's a budget thing, too. But it would just be cool if it was, instead of them sprinkled, that if we had, like, a show that was a team of superheroes. But All right, so let's then get to the end. So once the main part of the episode concluded, it actually reminded me, like, an old episode of 24. They used to do this in their season finales where... They would wrap up the season about the halfway point of the finale, and you would just get this feeling in your gut like, okay, I still have 15 minutes of this show. They're about to set me up for next season. And they sure did. Um, The team is kind of on the run again, and then all of a sudden there's this weird X-Files moment in a diner where either time stops or they get frozen, and there's a two-minute window to extract them. And the next thing we know, Coulson is waking up in space. just Adam, your immediate reaction. Like, were you jumping off the couch when you saw that we were going into outer space with this team? Yeah, I mean, the first words I uttered were "Holy shit!" <laughs> you know, it was like, "Damn, what a w- w- 
space. I mean, they were on a different planet before, but, you know, it, it didn't feel like it was a... Di I mean, it felt like it was a different planet, but it didn't feel outer space -y, you know? It was like a desert, and now they're in outer space watching asteroids go by their window. So I'm very interested interested to see where they go you know especially with the the most popular speculated group apparently to everyone's knowledge doesn't belong the rights don't belong to marvel studios slash marvel tv so unless they did like the backroom type deal uh trading rights and stuff like that who knows but outside of sword uh i really don't have any idea on what they can be doing in outer space. I like the way you changed your pronunciation of that. To oh, sword. I didn't even mean to do that. I just said <laughs> so. That definitely. Oh my bad. Yeah, you totally. No, you're good. Sword. We were thinking that maybe it was a ward <laughs> reference. That was, was getting. It? How do you, how do you say it? Sword, yeah, yeah. sword, sword, yeah. sword. Yeah, I don't sword? I don't pronounce the W at all. Sword? But I don't know. Sword. Oh, sword. Okay. Sword. Sword. That's Whatever. okay. No, it's just his desire. <laughs> even to throw subconsciously, ward we're trying to bring ward back. What's so going on with me? Now. He's just Okay, so um it reminds me of this comic storyline where there was this alternate earth on the other side of the uh on the other side of the sun so we couldn't see it. They like rotated at the same rate we rotate, so we didn't know it was there. And uh what if there was an alternate earth and Ward's still alive? It would be another way for them to uh to bring back <laughs> Ward. I really am wondering now that we have a fifth season, you know, like are we going to get... It'll be weird to have a season without him, but it'll also be refreshing in a way. Rhiannon, are you excited about space? Well, I mean, you know, I feel like you guys for weeks have been in other contexts saying, are you excited about space? And the one thing that's made me excited about... The one thing that has made me excited about space in the movies is that it set up that explanation for the lack of continuity with the tv shows so as soon as colson woke up and it was like space i was like oh my gosh that was the one thing that explained the lack of continuity and now you've gone to space way to go colson you you you've gonna make me wonder why you're not running into groot and why we're not seeing you know crossover with infinity war and stuff and maybe they are. Maybe they're setting up some major crossover. But that was the one, one thing that, that you know, I, I was cool with the movie side going to space because then all of the TV stuff could remain on Earth and they had that nice separation yet could still all conceivably right. be in the same universe. So... Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know how I feel right now. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the obvious bookends that they could play into is Inhumans on the front end. It would be kind of cool for the Inhumans storyline to dovetail into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm guessing there's no reason why, you know, Karnak could not make a special appearance on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because they'll wrap production on Inhumans about the time they start up Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think. So that would be a cool tie-in. could definitely see ABC putting a bug in Whedon's ear, uh, Jed Whedon, that is, and saying, listen, this is your last go. Could you guys make this tie into Infinity War? And I think it would be really cool if 
somehow they had something that set up something that was going to happen in Infinity War, and that, for whatever reason, was kind of the climax of the show. I think that would work and be all right. So uh, I'm just, I'm really interested. I'm actually more interested in the people that abducted them. Like, that was very weird. It reminded me of the last episode of Legion, actually. Like, I just don't know what that is. Uh, Yeah, no, I I hadn't thought about it like Legion. But, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, do you think it could be the Inhumans? I mean, any sort of Inhumans thing? At first, I wondered if that bald guy was Karnak. But I rewatched it, and it's definitely, it's not the same voice. It's not the same actor as Karnak. Um, and he's wearing a suit and I, I don't know, it doesn't look quite right to be in humans, but it, it could be. I don't, I don't have any idea. It strikes me as more likely that it's something earth based that's wanting to protect, uh, earth from, from aliens or whatever. Uh, so we'll just, we'll just have to see. Our main discussion today is, uh, we thought it'd be fun to look at comic book storylines from uh, that we've read through the years that we would love to see happen in the MCU um, in the next films and TV shows that are to come. Uh, as Rhiannon mentioned, she is not feeling great. So Rhiannon, I'm going to get yours. Uh, I think you had one idea you wanted to talk about, and then I will let you get to bed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. Um, well, and we, and we're looking at the whole MCU here. Um, and I think this one has been mentioned a million times. But it is definitely that in Daredevil Season 3, I want to see um, Born Again. I want to see Fisk take Matt Murdock down. I want to see him just break him down piece by piece by piece. And then I want to see Matt Murdock rise back up. Um, which is basically Born Again. Um, and I can totally see Fisk going that route from where we last saw him in Daredevil. And that's my one little contribution. I mean, I, I've, I've, as I was saying when we were planning, like, I, I do have, like, comics. At some point, I mapped out, like, full comic reference of what I'd like to see in Daredevil Season 3. But that's the starting point. Yeah, we should mention, there probably will be spoilers for comic books in this. So, if you have some comic storyline that you don't want to read, or you want to read without knowing, uh, turn back now. Uh, I was thinking that it's kind of cool. So, Born Again begins when Karen Page gives away his identity because there's uh she gets in some difficult situation i think it would be a heroin addict yes right i think it'd be interesting if um kingpin finds out about wesley that she shot wesley and that's that's the pinch point he like comes to her and says i know you killed my friend i will let you go i will not take your life if you can tell me everything you know about Daredevil, like he's kind of caught on that she's somehow connected and Karen folds and gives Matt's identity away. For those of you who only watch the Netflix shows, that might not sound like Karen, but it sounds a whole lot like comic book Karen, I think. So um, anyway, I think that would be an interesting setup for that show. Except I think Fisk already knows. I think Fisk has already put it together. That yeah. Matt Murdock is Daredevil. I, I think he's just going to piece it together on his own. The Karen tension, I, I would want... And this is where I get Born Again and one of the other storylines mixed up. But as far as Matt Murdock being completely outed to the presses, there's a storyline where Ben Urich steps up and is like, Oh no, Matt Murdock is not Daredevil. I want Karen to be around and I want Karen to be able to have that role. 
right. where Ellison is all upset that they didn't break the Matt Murdock as Daredevil, and Karen's able to go, oh no, I really know who Daredevil is, and it's not Matt Murdock. I do love, I was re-watching uh, the first season of the show, and I noticed that um, the priest in the show figures out that he's Daredevil really quick, and Murdock's like, how did you know? And the priest is like, I'm not an idiot. I put two and two together. Like, I'm paying attention. And I know that he knows a little bit about Matt from confession that other people wouldn't. But I did think it's really funny that the priest thinks it's obvious that Murdoch is Daredevil and nobody else suspects it at all. It just kind of made me chuckle when I saw that in that scene, you know? Well, and that's one of my favorite things about the comics that it appears they're doing in the show, too, is that Matt Murdock being Daredevil is like the worst kept secret ever. Right. It's, it's, you know, throughout the comics, everybody knows that he's Daredevil, which is probably why, like, Charles Soule had to do what he did on the most recent run. So I, I, I like that the show is heading that way as well. Yeah, because we already have Frank that knows. We already have Karen knowing. Foggy. Lantum. Probably Fisk. A lot of people know. All right, Rhiannon. That's great. Me and Adam will take Good it from night, here. Guys. Go get some yeah. rest. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, man. I've got a little list, but you go ahead and start us off. What's a comic book storyline you'd like to see in the future of Marvel? Comic book storyline. The one that instantly popped in my head, um, you know, when we were talking about this and with the, with the future of the Inhumans are coming and, and shields renewed, um, I wouldn't mind seeing like a... Um, and an affinity slash an inhumanity type storyline, um, especially between the two episodes. So uh, in my th- thought process behind this, you know, I was thinking, well, we kind of got this when the Terrigen was released into the ocean with the fishes and stuff, right? So I'm not sure if they would do this, um, but, you know, I thought it would just be interesting if... Black Bolt gets a feather up his butt and eventually, you know, detonates the Terrigen bomb and that'll go through. And that's an easy enough carry through where essentially uh, agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are left to deal with the pieces. Um, Obviously, I think I just talked myself out of it after uh, going through the fish thing, but that was the first thing on my list. Um, Do you want to alternate or you just want me to go through? Yeah, let's alternate. That sounds good. So, uh, one of them on my list is the Thor storyline about the God Butcherer. Nice. It's, uh, if you haven't read this, it's a great storyline where, um, Thor is being hunted by this kind of, uh, cosmic being who's, who likes to just go around. Marvel obviously has all these different pantheons of gods that exist in the real world. So there's the Asgardian gods. There's, uh, all the gods of Olympus. And uh, there's all, even uh, in Moon Knight, there's kind of a connection to some of the Egyptian gods. So this guy is going around and his deal is that he just wants to, he just kills gods. Like that's what he's into, uh, to kill deities uh, from different, you know, religions or whatever. And so he comes after Thor. And in order to defeat him, there's like three versions of Thor. There's like young Thor and Thor as we know him and like, old Odin version of Thor and they kind of team up together and it's, it's kind of a bizarre storyline. It requires some time travel and all that kind of stuff, but it's a lot of fun. 
Um, it's really the only Thor comic that I've ever liked reading. You know, like, I just, uh, I enjoy it a lot. So, um, anyways, I, I think that would be a lot of fun as a future Thor storyline down the road, though I'm not sure we're keeping this Thor long enough for that to happen. <laughs> but um, I think that would be good. Okay, so the the second one I got, it's, it's not really a, a particular story arc. It's more of a character treatment. Um, so my favorite in human, Karnak, um, throughout the whole of history, his deal is he was never exposed to the Terrigen mist. So he's kind of, I don't want to, is it, would you consider it like an inner battle type thing? I don't know. I, as I understand, I don't know. But so Karnak, what he, he's a martial arts master and he can, he senses the flaw in all things. And that's without going through Terrigen and he's kind of been like a, in the classic runs he's kind of like the old wise advisor type what would you call that cliche of sorts um, you know he's a master strategist and all of that well post secret wars Warren Ellis um, hopped on board and essentially revamped the character and almost turned him into uh, I mean he was essentially a sociopath he just didn't give a damn and what he did and it, he made sure stuff got done you know whether it was the you know with him he there's not really any gray areas someone either lives or they dies you know and we saw that and uh in that run without giving too much details he he teamed up with Colson which would be amazing and it's entirely doable now um to hunt down a kid and he eventually ends up killing a whole lot of people in gruesome ways um but i just really liked ellis's imagination of the character that's that's what i always call hoodie karnak so he's he's got the green hood he's got like athletic tape type stuff around his hands like a, a street boxer underground fighter type guy um so yeah, it's not a story arc. It's more of a, a comic character design iteration that I would like to see in live action. And from the pictures we've seen, it, it seems kind of that way. They're not going the really big head and helmet type Karnak. They're going more of the Zen Master type route. And obviously, we don't know how how the character is. We haven't seen any trailers or anything like that. If he's going to be the sociopath smart ass he is in the Warren Ellis run or what, but it's definitely something I'd be interested in. Yeah, and I feel like Warren Ellis really did not recreate the wheel with that. He took characteristics that I feel like have always been somewhat present in Karnak and he just cranked it up to eleven. You know, like he took the arrogance of that character and ratcheted it up. And so yeah, I'm I'm totally cool with that version of Karnak. And I think we already seen a few signals that we're going to get a little bit of that, even just in the costuming. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, the version that you're talking about aesthetically, but it's also not the old like sixties, you know, Jack Kirby style either. You know, it's, it's definitely in the middle. I think it actually stylistically is most like, um, uh, Oh, I forget. I think it's Jay Lee. Is that right? The comic book artist. He's done a lot of Wolverine stuff. Uh, um, yeah. So anyways, I think it's actually most like his version, but so yeah, that's cool. Um, 
I'm going to do an unusual one. I have, I have a couple couple here, but um, so I know a lot of people don't like the team-up events that have happened over the last few years. Um, I really like Original Sin. So it's this storyline. Um, they'd have to somewhat affect it because um, in the storyline, it's about someone killing Uatu the Watcher and stealing his eyeballs to find out like all the information he has about the universe. This is where Thor becomes unworthy. Um, but there's this whole, what's really cool about it is it's like a galactic detective story. You know, it's like a whodunit, who killed the Watcher. And what I really loved about the comic is that they mixed and matched characters in really unusual ways. I forget exactly the team, but one of the teams they send out is like Ant-Man and Black Panther and Gamora. You know, like it's it's this like mixture of people that all have different motives and they're all trying to work together. Uh, there's a lot about Nick Fury and how untrustworthy Fury really is and what he's really been up to. And I think all of that is just really fun. I think that's a storyline that could keep us in the cosmic realm and continue to push that way without having to be like a Thanos galaxy ender. Um, I think that it would be really cool to see these characters mixed and matched. And I like, you know, Marvel's always trying to find new genres. I think it would be really cool to even do it like a film noir style where there's just this mystery and everybody's stabbing each other in the back and for just one film like most of the characters have sort of ambiguous morality and Nick Fury instead of being a straight up good guy is a guy who's going to lie a little bit and Black Panther is going to be someone who's only looking out for his interests and maybe Scott Lang is exhibiting some of his you know criminal tendencies like I like that idea of doing a lot of like gray morality in a Marvel movie and you know maybe that kills some of the characterization in the films. But I just think it would be really cool to see that play out in a film. And so I would really love to see an original sin kind of storyline take place. Absolutely. That, uh, that was one of the ones I was thinking about original sin, um, and annihilation both, you know, just cause I think they would not, not really a original sin would be, but annihilation is going to be one of those, epic space opera style movies where everyone really participates um i mean there's no use in doing a lot annihilation if infinity wars on um but i had um the both of those on my list the one that i'm really interested in um is really any of the individual um squadron supreme runs um they're essentially nearly identical um the newer stuff's kind of more uh i mean the the supreme power max run is is very intense um but it's essentially uh what do you call it It, it's the justice league plus mad max you know it's it's this group of superheroes kind of in the alternate universe type thing that the country's going to hell and uh yeah it's the dystopia type thing um the original one it's really unique they essentially take control of the world the 
this I don't even know the the bad guy's name he he takes control of them and essentially they take over the world well they become aware of what they've done and to right what they the wrong uh, you know they take control of the world again so it's it's kind of that thing I mean the second time around they they took control um, to right the wrongs but at that point you know it's kind of the the moral dilemma you know do they take control I mean they're really the only people on this earth that can solve problems you know the the food shortages and all the uh, people running amok and the factions popping up and the you know so I mean do they take control of society once more to right the wrongs or do they try building the the democratic process back up and, and so on and so forth you know it'd probably be best suited for some type of movie obviously you can do a, a tv show off of it you know it's it either have to be a, a movie or um I could see a Netflix series about it, but I just think it'd be interesting and kind of timely with all the fear mongering that's that's going on now. You know, obviously, even if it started pre-production tomorrow, we wouldn't get it uh, in time for everything that's going on. Um, so, remind me, like, what characters are we talking with Squadron Supreme? There, <laughs> it's a blatant Marvel ripoff of the Justice League. You have Hyperion. Uh, I mean. Superman. You got Nighthawk, uh, which is the billionaire playboy type thing that builds all the gadgets, you know, Batman-esque. You have um, Power Princess. Um, oh, gosh. Wonder <laughs> Woman, yep, right? That's Wonder Woman. You have the Wizard, um, which obviously is the Flash knockoff. You even have this, I don't even remember the name. There's Golden Archer. Um, there is... Um, I think Arcana is her name. Um, and then they even have this. Uh, they have Tom Thumb. They have uh, what was I thinking of? They have Nuke, and that's that's actually a pretty touching part in the original run. You have Nuke. He's kind. Of, he's a twenty-something showboat. Um, and he has uh, he does the radiation blast type things, but. Um, his parents end up dying because they contracted cancer from his power. So that's kind of one of the inner story arcs within that. Oh, and then they have a uh, Doctor Spectrum, which is a really unique character. Um, but there's, I mean, even in the original run, there's uh probably a dozen characters. But the main nucleus of the group is, I mean, if you picked it up, you'd be like, is this uh? What's this? Is this like the Dollar Tree version of Justice League or something? Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, it's just kind of the circumstances of having a superhero group in this not-too-distant future where, you know, there's, I mean, there's no government. There's none of this. How do they fix it? You know, it's it's their fault that, I mean, it's not their fault that they're mind-controlled by this dude from the future and destroyed the world under his sway or whatever um but you know they're left to pick up the pieces that they destroyed and the people don't like it you know they don't trust them because they destroyed the world once why should they have the power to go back in and fix it um right. so that's 
that's kind of where that is. And I, I love the uh, Supreme Power on the Max imprint. The uh, um, There's also a Dr. Spectrum spinoff. There's a Hyperion spinoff. And there is a Nighthawk spinoff. The Nighthawk one is perfect. It's obviously the, the Max label is the for the 18 plus um, demo. It uh, certainly isn't anything kids should be reading. Um, but yeah, if you have time, if it's on Marvel Unlimited or whatever, read uh, it Supreme won't Power be. Nighthawk. It's amazing. Yeah, the problem is they um they don't put any of the Max stuff on Marvel Unlimited because they know people like get it for their uh, kids. True. Makes sense. So like uh, Alias, the Jessica Jones yeah. run, none of that's on Marvel Unlimited. So it's kind of a downfall of the system, if you ask me. But it is. I also appreciate for why they do it. Yeah, understand. Uh, it's interesting. You were talking about uh, that's kind of a storyline that's kind of out of main Marvel continuity, or at least, you know, doesn't interact as much with the world we know. Um, one of the things I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I love Neil Gaiman's sixteen oh two, which was a reimagining of the Marvel characters in the seventeenth century, and it's really kind of fun because, uh, you know, it's set up as just kind of a what if concept. But then we get a sense that it actually is connected to the main Marvel Universe sort of tangentially. But there's a reason why all these characters are, exist in this time frame. And there's like a, a problem that they have to solve. And it's sort of a pocket universe. And so I think that would be a lot of fun. I think we're to a point where people know enough about these characters that they could totally do some like what if kind of riffing off of these characters Something like this, people would obviously know is a different continuity. And I think it would be really fun. Like, I would like to see a few more standalone things. Uh, I've heard some people like Marvel Noir. I haven't watched, uh, read that yet. But, you know, anything like that. Like, something that is a different world, a different universe, that shows us these characters in a slightly different light. I think anything like that would be would be pretty fun. So... Do you have any others on your list? The last one on my list um, is one I, I've talked about before. Um, it's probably my favorite comic run of all time is the Immortal Iron Fist. Um, and uh, Charles pointed out earlier this week, one of the costume designers did confirm that that was Dog Brother instead of Scythe in there. So... I kind of have a feeling that um, we did get a version of Immortal Iron Fist, um, so we probably won't see it. But that was, I mean, for me, that was probably the best episode of the whole show, though, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was my that was my favorite one. Um, it's just the, the, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's the, uh, I'll explain it quick if no one knows it. Uh, go out, buy it. Um, you can buy it in two, uh, what is it, the two omnibuses or omnibuy or whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, after Fraction and Brubaker step off, there is a pretty sharp decline. Um, but yeah, essentially there's seven cities of heaven. They combine every 77 years, I think it is. Um, and the have a tournament each. Uh, city has an immortal weapon, Iron Fist, Bride of Nine Spiders. Uh, dog brother etc uh, the winner of the tournament instead of appearing every 77 years they get to appear on earth every seven years so that's the purpose of holding the tournament um, 
it's just really interesting. Um, they did incorporate someone from later in the series too. Um, how do you say? It? Is it Zhao Chang? Whoever Louis Tan played, so he's essentially um, the agent of uh, this demon type guy from the Eighth City. Uh, that's a big spoiler alert, by the way. Um, that essentially <laughs> Louis Tan characters, Louis Tan's Iron Fist character from the Netflix show and the comics, essentially his goal in life is to steal the eggs of Shao Lao or whatever. To feed to his master. So, I, long story short, nothing we'll ever see on Netflix because it gets too mystical and kind of Lord of the Ringsy type stuff. But uh, just just the storytelling. If they're listening to fans, though, they're gonna do it, right? The guy, like I mean, Iron Fist, isn't really a character that has, I mean, that much uh, many story arcs to pull from. You know, he's not like a a daredevil or an x-men you know he's not he doesn't have separate runs you know he has essentially his original series um and then he has uh power man and iron fist you know heroes for hire those are that's about it you know so once immortal iron fist came around and then after immortal iron fist there was a run um i think it's only like 12 episodes iron fist the living weapon um it was all right um but i mean even the current run now, uh, they're essentially rehashing Immortal Iron Fist with another tournament type deal, you know. So I mean, that's kind of who the character is, you know. Um, then it starts getting into a point in the Iron Fist mythology where the Iron Fist typically dies at thirty three years of age. So Danny turns thirty three in this run, so he's dealing with, you know, he has to give up the iron fist mantle and all that stuff but oh wait he finds out that the iron fist before him orson randall technically still has you know the the chi running through him or he he still has the iron fist power so you know he he kind of battles that and it's kind of I mean, they could kind of take the show that way, you know? I mean, he left Kunlun the way it is in the show, you know? So who's to say he has to follow the rules and essentially die, you know, get killed when he turns 33 and give up his uh, mystical powers? But Well, I mean, I think they could totally tie it in. The reason that Kunlun has disappeared like it has is because his failure to show up at the tournament like forfeited their time and then they like you know like that could be a total setup for season two is somehow he finds a back door into Kunlun and they said you weren't here to fight so we had to forfeit our place and they like get him like last minute into the tournament I, I you know when people sometimes people ask why on our site or in other places people are so negative about Scott Buck and I feel like part of the reason people are negative on Scott Buck is because they've read the immortal iron fist and they know how good it is. And if you've read immortal iron fist and then you've watched that one episode that kind of did the tournament, like you just see how the results are so much diminished, you know, like you just atrophied that storyline. And so I I think people, that is why people don't trust Scott Buck. Uh, I think people would not feel as bad about iron fist as a show 
if they hadn't read the incredibleness that is that storyline you're talking about. You know? Yeah, and you did bring up another good point. You mentioned backdoor, and that's actually part of the story where the uh, immortal weapons each find out that they're the actual leader of their city um, had built a portal to Earth so the leaders could come and go as they pleased, whereas the citizens and so on and so forth could only visit Earth once every 88 years unless you were a member of Kung Lun, you know. So that was another big part of it. Um, where it eventually, and you could see Madame Gao doing that, right? Yeah, that, and you know, they uh, st- they band together and essentially lead a revolution and overthrow UT uh, for Kun Lun, and that's when uh, Lee Kung uh, takes over, kind of as the whole thing, and that's that's another um, part where Davos is, you know, he's like the friend of me, you know, he helps him out in that session you know but then he turns around and wants to kick their ass in the tournament and so on and so forth and he is davos is uh the immortal weapon of um i'm dropping the name i think it's kun lee it's called um who kun lee is actually ran by the crane mother so if davos is the immortal weapon uh from this city that's run by the crane mother you know that's kind of points the direction of the final scene in season one um where davos is meeting with madame gal at this point if madame gal is not the crane mother i'll just lose my mind i mean the writing's on the <laughs> wall it's gotta be yeah yeah absolutely um i'm excited to see her back uh so was that was that your last yeah, one that was my last one all right, let me run through real quick just the other ones that I had uh, quickly on my list. Um, I'd like to see a Secret Avengers. I know we're seeing a version of that right now with Cap on the run. But what I mean by Secret Avengers is the closest that we could get to the uh, that lineup that they had for a while. I think it was a Bendis run where you had Cap and you had Spider-Man and you had Wolverine and you had Luke Cage and you had Spider-Woman. It was kind of like where they went for broke and they just put all of their most marketable characters on one team. And I I would enjoy that. I would like to see um, particularly Spidey and Cap and Luke Cage. Obviously, that would take heaven and earth moving for Luke Cage and Cap to be on the same team in a movie. But I would like seeing it. Um, I've got Craven's Last Hunt on my list. That's probably not a surprise. A lot of people have been asking for that from Spider-Man. I think the challenge to it is um, the version of Spider-Man we have right now isn't ready for Craven's Last Hunt. We're going to need to like put him through the wars for another trilogy of movies before he ever gets there. And so the challenge, I think, with Craven's Last Hunt is you can't reboot with that storyline. You have to get there eventually. And so we'll need some iteration of Spider-Man to last to a third or fourth or fifth movie for that really to take hold the way it should. So, um. Another little one, I would love to see an episode of Jessica Jones. Um, There's a a storyline with her and Rick Jones, uh, who is kind of the buddy of Hulk and Captain America. And then later in life, he really becomes like a a drug addict and a loser, and he starts hallucinating. Uh, It's really an interesting thing that Bendis did in Alias. I'd love to see an episode of 
that on Jessica Jones someday, though I think it would be hard for them to retcon into continuity. But it might be fun if he was Rick Jones, but he never actually had the adventures of Rick Jones in the comics. So, uh, anyway, and then, um, oh, the only other one on my list, uh, there was a recent issue in the last year or so of, uh, one of the Inhumans titles, I forget if it was all new or uncanny, um, that explains sort of the powers of, uh, of Reader. Reader is a blind guy who has the power to, uh, bring into reality whatever he reads. The reason he's blind is because uh, his people from his community he grew up in um, saw that that could happen and they plucked his eyeballs out lest he accidentally read something. You know, like if he read Nuclear Blast, he would destroy their population. And so they pluck his eyeballs out and now he uses Braille. Uh, He has these cards with things written in Braille. But we discover, uh, again, spoiler alerts, all he has to do is like put like pebbles on the ground in the Braille and he can write a card and then read it with his fingers and then bring that to happen. And we find out that he's effectively omnipotent. Like this character had always seemed kind of lame and small school to me. And then I find out that literally if he can write it and read it, then he can go back in time or he can like rearrange reality. Like, it's amazing the things that he can do, but he purposefully keeps that a secret. Like he doesn't let people know that. And it leads this weird, like tension where like you have someone with godlike powers in the room, but they haven't admitted to you that they have them. And I think that's really creepy and really cool. And it's made me love him as a character. And so if you know, in him in human season three wanted to bring in reader and do that whole storyline, I would love it. But I have probably gone on to about that far too long. No worries, man. We are, I mean, what? Uh, Soul did say we're seeing some new humans, man. So uh, right now we've only seen, what, the the royal family. So it will be interesting to uh, see what goes on, you know, especially they're on Adelan, you know. There's got to be all sorts of new humans scattering about and so on and so forth. So uh, who knows who we'll see. All right, let's go ahead and move into our mailbag. Um, I'm going to start out with Twitter. We got some good Twitter response last week because of our episode, which was a defenders uh, death match. And Ed on Twitter had asked uh, a really good question to Adam and uh, the podcast. Uh, which, is, which is a better hallway fight? Daredevil against the Dogs of Hell or Captain America against the German Secret Service or uh, German FBI or whoever it was in Civil War. Uh, Do you have an opinion on that, Adam? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, do we have to choose the best hallway fight? Aren't they all cool? You don't have to. (laughs) That was just the question that was asked. I mean, all all the hallway fights are are good. You know, if I think I had to choose between those two, I'd probably choose Daredevil just because it's... I almost said just because it's grittier, but it's it. You know, it's just the he uses the chain and knocks out the light, and he's got the gun taped to his hand, and I just, I just think it's more better, more fun. I liked it. Yeah, what I really love about that scene is that it gives you a sense of how terrifying it would be to experience Daredevil in real life. Yeah. Like it helped me sit in the shoes of one of those bikers, and all of a sudden there's a guy who for some reason chooses to outfit himself as the devil 
who's in a black hallway but still knows exactly what's going on. And he's whipping around a ch- and he has this um uh Charlie Cox has this weird sadistic smile on his yeah. face for part of it. And it's just like it's so awesome. It's just to me like a it, it kind of defines that character for me when I think about who that character is. So I really uh really enjoyed that. Uh he also had asked, uh do we have too many threads in the third pod of Agents of Shield? So this is something that's been kind of building where we've had a lot of loose ends on Agents of Shield. Uh, now they're in space. It looked like the Superior was maybe being set up to be Modok, um, one of the classic villains of the Marvel Universe. Uh, there's apparently some kind of Faustian deal that Coulson has made in order to be Ghost Rider for a little bit. Uh, we're still waiting to find out what happened to Nadir's brother at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, we still haven't seen Gravitron, or is it Graviton or Gravitron? Anyway, Without the whatever his name R, is. Yeah. Okay. Whatever his name is, we haven't seen him since the first season, and that's been hanging out there. Uh, I personally feel like Deathlock is a character they've chronically underused. I liked him coming back in season two, and I'm, I'm sad we haven't seen him since. So what do you think, Adam? Are there too many loose ends on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Do you think they can wrap them, particularly if next year is our last year of the show? Um, I think there are too many loose ends, um, but I mean that's kind of a recurring theme we've seen um in this show that i mean they haven't i mean they've shown that they're not afraid to not tie it up you know and it, it kind of makes sense you know the, the the marvel universe is so expansive you know i mean talking about comics even if we took if we take the comics universe and take away the characters Sony and Fox owned. I mean, you know how many characters that still leaves, you know. So I kind of equate that to essentially the existing MCU in a way, you know, that probably exists somewhere we just don't see it yet. You know, the Richard Riders or the the Jen Walters or so on and so forth. You know, so it makes sense. I mean, Deathlock. Yeah, I mean, we can't have everyone be the main characters in the show at the same time so they they have to leave some point you know i mean i i do think deathlock should come back i would prefer uh i'd probably take deathlock over uh melinda may um i might get flack for saying that you know but um well certainly over joey the guy who melts metal talk about loose ends yeah you know that guy literally he just left base one day And there was, like, one line of, like, where did Joey go? I don't know. I think he left base. And we never heard from him again, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was uh, looking, thinking back to season one, wasn't there this shady business guy that was dealing in the Gravitonia or whatever the heck it was called? I think he was, like, uh, yeah, something uh, Quinn like or something like that. You know, we never, you know, I don't think that was ever concluded. There's just so much stuff that's out there you know i don't think i mean it's the type of deal if we don't see the superior again um you know i think they might move on you know they just left it in such a big way i mean phil colson's in space you know you know how hard he's geeking out right now he's in space you know seeing that next season i i don't think people are going to be thinking oh i wonder what the superior is up to unless of course he's made into the big bad of the season which could easily happen with modok um yeah yeah particularly if those guys that kidnapped them are aim yeah 
you know, so that's, there's a lot of loose ends, but, you know, that's just kind of how it's going right now, you know, where's that Hellfire cat, you know, didn't, uh, 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 Robbie drag him away from that one fireworks stand fight, and then I don't think we ever saw him again. Um, and for me, none of these will ever be any worse than all the loose ends from the Incredible Hulk. You know, like where they had they'd set up for the leader, and they left Abomination alive, and there was even like Doc Samson was like in that movie. Even though Ty Burrell is like a superhero is not something yeah. I imagine now, but like, you know, like there's that movie and it's loose ends bother me a whole lot more than anything on shield because I mean, it was so obviously set up for a sequel and they just never gave it to us, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, Ty Burrell is in the incredible Hulk. How crazy is that? <laughs> he, he would be like a good, uh, you know, he, he would be a good Mr. Immortal. That'd be uh that'd be a good spot for him. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, they're they're going younger, I guess, with new warriors though. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, so going through our mail, uh, Michael T. Ford said he agreed with you that he thought Daredevil would lose in a fight to Luke Cage. Uh, you both undercut your credibility, however, when you immediately brought up Batman, <laughs> who is the greatest <laughs> example in the world of how a guy with no powers can beat people with powers. So. That, um, that's when all we were talking about the preparation you know i mean it, having preparation i mean our our tournament was the ground rules were these two people meet no preparation whatsoever and fight they see each other right. and they gotta fight you know so that, that's our rules i mean that's why you gotta look at batman if if you give someone preparation if you give colleen wing preparation she could take down luke cage she could take down anyone you know so that's I mean right. Batman's the ultimate example of that. He's just some rich dude that makes kryptonite spears and uh yells Martha. Yeah. <laughs> um I also would like to mention I have long believed that Bullseye would actually be the best Luke Cage villain ever. You know, like somebody that had good enough aim that he could put a bullet through his mouth as he was speaking. Yeah. You know, like Anyway, that's a dream I have to see Bullseye and Luke Cage fight on a Netflix show. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Um, also on Twitter, a guy named T, um, at Atlas Shrugged, spelled unusually, uh, just said that Stick would win the fight hands down over all of them. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I do feel bad that I forgot Stick as, like, a participant. Uh, I think I tried to do, like, two people from each show, but Stick should have totally been a factor last week in that hallway fight. So um, go into our comments on the website. Uh, Love waffle was saying he wants another death match with the Avengers. I think we'll definitely do that for you guys. Some point in the future, it'd be a little redundant to do it back to back weeks, but you know, I don't know back uh, when we get to like November and we're getting bored and have nothing left to talk about. Maybe we'll do an Avengers death match. Uh, he also compared the, uh, an iron fist misty fight to the, uh, famous Indiana, excuse me, Indiana Jones fight where Indy just shoots the guy with the swords. <laughs> and I think, yes, yeah. that is how that would go down. Um, Fanamir um, brought up MODOK that uh, it looked like the superior was maybe MODOK because he did say I'm designed only for killing, which is the D-O-K and MODOK. Um, Chris uh, chimed in, had some really good comments. Uh, 
did chastise us for uh, hating on Iron Fist again. Um, and he kind of suggested that we shouldn't not like Iron Fist because he's a man with emotions. And I just wanted to clarify, I don't, it's I, the reason I don't like Iron Fist is not because he has emotions. Because we watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and we loved the emotions of Rocket the Raccoon and of Yondu and Star-Lord. Like, that is a very emotional film, and it's great that it's emotional. I think my concern is that if you've been trained to be the world's deadliest warrior, like, you should have some kind of battle hardness. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not, I mean, the emotional part of it, that's, that's the character and what he is, you know, I mean, personally me, I mean, Iron Fist is still, even how it was, I mean, I would probably say Iron Fist is still two or three on my list, you know, I, I'm very high in Iron Fist, it, it, it'd be hands down number one if we got the stuff we were supposed to get, you know, they turned Iron Fist into something he's not, you know, he's not a grounded character, he killed a dragon with his bare hands you know he has the spirit of that dragon coursing through his veins you know it's just he's not a grounded character you know he killed a dragon he's the protector of this mystical city and they're trying to make him into a street level fighter which essentially is in heroes for hire and and has a character but i mean his whole background is this mystical thing and they didn't give us an ounce of that we saw the dude look into the cave you know and that's what we got we got one building of Kunlun from three miles away when he was looking on the working his stand on the peak you know we just didn't get any of the the mystical things about it. and that's who the character is you know I didn't mind the emotional bit about it you know I think if each one of us had to leave everything we've ever known to watch over a pass because we just killed a dragon you know I think each one of us would be feeling all sorts of emotions you know it's yeah. it's essentially like going through a, a second puberty <laughs> you know I mean he's got this whole new power you know I mean I love that part of it you know it's it yeah. kind of brings what do you you know it just brings contrast to the Luke Cages and the Daredevils you know I mean it's the the immature you know naive part of it you know I don't mind that one darn bit you know that that was one of my my favorite uh bits about it. I mean that's that's the real part you know the part I hated about Iron Fist is they're they're turning him into the you know like a Daredevil who trained himself you know what? I mean, you know, right. he, Iron Fist got trained and stuff, but it's a dragon. <laughs> you know, it's not whatever Jim Daredevil box is at, you know? Well, and I, it is interesting because as much as we've had times where we've talked about Iron Fist and the things we felt like it was, it was short on, in the end, we have three people on the podcast. Two of them said, I loved Iron Fist. I was the third one, and I said, eh, it was fine. Um, if you would like to listen to podcasts where people really hate Iron Fist, I can give you the name <laughs> of a couple. Like I've heard a lot of crapping on that show. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, we don't hate Iron Fist. We just wish it had been a little different. That's all. Alvin had mentioned to us, uh, if you guys listened last week, you know, that there was like a weird 30 or 40 second pause, uh, in the middle of the audio track. That was my mistake. I'm sorry. Uh, I am not yet a professional podcast editor, 
and that was apparent last week. Um, I just I chose to leave it where it was because I discovered it so late. Um, I listen to some podcasts where they like edit and republish, and I get it six times in my feed, and I don't want to do that to you. So sorry about that pause. I hope most of you guys made it through it. And finally, Alex Silva was uh, saying that he, I believe he said he's from Brazil. He loves the show. And he also mentioned that apparently, Adam, you sound like Bert from Big Bang Theory. So you did a little research, and uh, do you think that's accurate? I did research, and I'm like, man, I closed my eyes, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm not, I thought I was listening to the podcast. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that assessment. Yeah, so uh, thanks for sending your mail in, guys. Uh, generally speaking, we love doing this podcast, and we like it even more when we know you're enjoying it and you're listening to it. Uh, and so please do us a favor and show us that love somehow. If you want to like it on SoundCloud, that's awesome. If you want to leave comments on the website, that's awesome. If you want to ha- um, tweet at us at hashtag MCUXPod, that's M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D, that would be awesome. If you want to leave five-star reviews on iTunes, that would be really good. It helps us uh, become more noticeable so other people can see the podcast. Uh, share it with your friends. Talk about it on Facebook. Uh, you can also comment on our Facebook posts uh, when the um, podcast goes live on Facebook. Uh, all those things help us out. If you enjoy what we talk about and you enjoy the Marvel Universe, you should definitely stay tuned to mcuexchange.com. We've got all your latest news and speculation and all that kind of stuff. And we work hard to bring you uh, not just the news, but the context around the news. And that means we give you commentary sometimes and uh, hopefully spark conversation and thought. And so. Uh, We really love working on the website, and we love you guys uh, coming to it. We like you listening to the show, and we really want to thank all the people that send us stuff. If you want to contact me uh, via Twitter, my Twitter is at Caleb A. Borchers. That's C-A-L-E-B-A-B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S, and I love more followers. I have a pathetic (laughs) amount of followers, Uh, probably because I only tweet once or twice a week, and it's... I'm trying to sell you on following me, but then I'll admit that I'm not great at it. But if I had more people reading, maybe I would tweet more. It's it's the chicken and the egg. So be the chicken and uh, like me on Twitter or follow me, whatever it is. Uh, all right. I've done a terrible cell drive of that. Adam, where can they find you on Twitter? At Adam Barnhart. Follow us. Uh, yeah. We have some good conversations on there. So it's like the uh, MCUX pod after the pod all week long. Absolutely. I know you could also follow uh, Rhiannon. She's gone, but you can follow her uh, at Shot of Patron. Uh, You can also listen. She has a cool podcast that she does uh, all about Netflix and uh, the Netflix Marvel shows called Super Ladies. That's Super Ladies, except for a T instead of a D. Uh, So you should listen to her show if you like Rhiannon's thoughts on stuff. Uh, And even if you don't, you should listen to her show so more people listen to it. So I think that's all we've got for this week. Um, if you guys have ideas of things you want to talk about, we're kind of, we've been in a little bit of a lull where we're kind of having to come up with main conversation topics each week. If there's something you think we should talk about, let us know, uh, via all those ways I just mentioned. Thanks for listening. You guys have a great weekend and we will see you next Friday. Bye.